0: Hey guys, Eric Lindeen here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message.
1: Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday. Welcome to church. Uh, how many of you know there's real camping and then there's uh, fake camping? <laughs> one of them is uh, you're, you're camping in a trailer and then one is like you're backpacking and you're tenting, right? Uh, this couple weeks ago, I got to go camping in the Boundary Waters. It was incredible. Uh, how many of you have been to the Boundary Waters some of you know, uh, and not, and then let me say this: it's not that you weren't camping in, in a in like you know a big camper. I'm not saying that it isn't camping, but I think the real thing is like if you have a backpack and you're like walking through the forest, and that's what I got to do. It was both tiring, and it was refreshing. We canoed across several lakes, only to find our campsite up on a tall rock hill. It was incredible. We were like overlooking this huge, uh, the lake. We had like multiple lakes. You know, the Boundary Waters is full of lakes and we uh, were just up on, the, up on the hill, and it was incredible. It was rainy that evening, though. That was the bummer, and we tried to start a fire in the rain. How many of you ever tried to do that? Yeah? Starting a fire in the rain is really challenging, uh, and we, we tried, but it wasn't the easiest thing, but we ended up getting the fire started, and we ended up cooking our food, and most of the other people were off in the forest doing other things, but I had a few moments to myself it was just me, the stillness of the forest. It was, it was beautiful. Uh, everybody was off, and then I was just standing by the fire. I made a cup of coffee. I brought instant coffee. Uh, I really just wanted to just bring that along, and it was amazing. It really made my day. Um, just the quietness, the stillness, no one around. Uh, and it's moments like these that we're awakened to the deeper things of life, these moments where we are alone in the stillness, and you know, I know it's cliche, but I really do believe in nature when we're alone, something changes in the human soul. We begin to ponder things and things come up in your heart. Uh, and you begin to either be really grateful, <laughs> like that's what happened to me. I just realized everything I had. Like I was just like, whoa, God, you've really blessed me. And then I got a little emotional, I was like, wow, this is so good. Like I just started naming things off that I'm grateful for. This is something I try and do, it's a practice in my heart um, that God has kind of led me into. Uh, you know, Psalm 100 says we enter his gates with thanksgiving. And so that's kind of a way I try and uh, enter into an awareness of the Lord. So it's just a normal moment. I was just around the fire, like I said, just me and uh, everybody else had gone away. And then uh, eventually they all came back and they, you know, the firewood, we were ready to build this fire. And the topic of uh, relationships came up and I realized in that moment that I was the only one in the group that didn't have someone to go home to. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt that in your soul? No one to really update, right? It's like I do have family, but I didn't have someone else to go home to. And it really, it was hard, man. Like you're in the group, you know, I don't know if you've ever ever been in that circumstance. And it's not a pity party, it's just a reality. Like you feel that in your soul. And I just was like, it, it hit me and it was hard. Have you ever experienced that, that that hole, that gap? Maybe you feel less worth. You feel there's something in your identity. And if you're like me, at some point you've questioned, you've, you've asked some questions, and there are three fundamental questions that I believe that every human has asked at some point in your life, or you are answering that question, and you don't even know it through some sort of thing. The first question is this, who am I? It's a question of identity. The second one is this, where do I come from? It's a question of origin. It's a question of where you came from. And the third one is this, what is my purpose? Why am I here? What is my why? Because I think when we can understand our why, it helps us figure out the what. What are we going to do? What has God called us to do? And I think culture has struggled to answer these questions in less than productive ways. Their questions are answered in big things like culture. We, we elevate relationships, right? What I just mentioned, we elevate jobs. We elevate money, cars, a.k.a. the good life. I am as good as what I have and who I know is what we often will say. I am as good as what I know and, and who, who I have in my life. Although those things add value, there's something deeper in the human soul. We are more than just what, who we know. We're more than just what we do. But what we do flows out of who we are. There's so much more to who you are. And the answer to the question of origin must go beyond where you grew up and who's in your family. That is important in your family of origin, I do believe, but there's something deeper. It's not just where you grew up. But the big question is, how did I get here? How did this, how do we all get here? At some point, we we question that. We begin to wonder, is there something deeper? Was I made just for the nine to five or is there more to life? than just the nine to five clock in, clock out, go home, relax, do it all over again and again and again. The first question is about identity. The second question is origin, the third one is purpose. We're all looking at, in some ways, maybe you've already found this and that's great, but for some of us we might not know the answer to these questions and they impact everything. The reality is we live from the answer of these questions the way you answer your purpose, your identity, and where you come from, we live oftentimes from those things and we don't even know it. We don't even know what we're living from that foundation, whatever that foundation is, good or bad. A lot of times we can look to people, a relationship, a job, friendship, marriage, having children, or something else to give us purpose and identity when, we, when in reality, if taken away, our foundation can be shaken. These things are, ultimately, they're good, but they're empty cisterns and they, they aren't guaranteed. We need a steadfast anchor. We can only look to the world around us, what others think. We can think uh, what they say is bigger than what God says. We can elevate man over, over what God has said in his word. And the beautiful thing is we, as Christians, can have answers to these questions. That the follower of Jesus is not left in the dark to find answers to the fundamental questions of life. The fundamental question of purpose, origin, identity. Today, we're going to start a year-long journey into the book of Genesis, and I'm really excited about this. Uh, we're going back to the beginning, and the Hebrew word for Genesis is bereshit, and it means in the beginning, right? So when you read in your Bible and you start, you open your page one, it says Genesis. That word means beginning, right? It means start. And where the foundation of much of what we believe as Christians finds its root in Genesis. Without a firm foundation in Genesis, it's hard to understand the rest of the Bible because a lot of things that are said that we're going to unpack over the next few weeks is really the rest of the Bible hinges on what we see in chapters 1 through 11 of Genesis, and then the rest of the book forms a foundation, and Jesus mentions Genesis. So I think we, you know, if that's not a reason, I don't know what is, right? So this is, it's going to be really good. We're going to dive in. We can have confidence in what we're going to read and study over the next year, because Jesus quotes it, right? And and the other biblical authors, and, and let's say, let's go to Hebrews, he mentions Genesis as well in the book of Hebrews. So let's go back to the beginning, not simply so we can go back, but so that we can move forward. For the questions that Genesis answers give us vision. They give us vision. In looking back, we can look forward. When looking back to Genesis, we can then look forward and we can have vision for our lives. Let's pray, let's bow our heads. God, thank you for this opportunity to uh, speak. I pray that you would guide our time together. Thank you that you've been with me in the preparation. But now, Lord, open our hearts, God. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Like the psalmist says, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your word, Lord. I, we come alongside David, Lord. We we want to know you. You said, seek my face, and then David responds, your face will I seek, Lord. That's our response today. We wanna to seek your face today in your name, amen. Amen. So I wanna encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter one, uh, 126 is where we're gonna jump in. Genesis 1, 26, and we'll have it on the screen as well. Uh, read along with me, and uh, we're gonna jump in. Genesis 1, 26 through 27 says, then God said, why we're here, and what we're made for. Our text today offers us an answer to that question, and what we can learn from Genesis 1 is that you were created on purpose for a purpose. Point number one, if you're taking notes today, I want you to pull out your note sheet. That's point number one. You were created on purpose for a purpose. In the story thus far, we find ourselves in what would be called Friday in the creation story, God has just created all of the animals, which is our context for today. So before we get to man, God just created the animals, and then the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The Spirit was hovering. It was resting, so the Lord created a resting place for his presence. That's the earth. Isn't that interesting? And that you and me, were being built into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So he wanted to come and be with his people. That was his heart from day one, and it's his heart now to be and to dwell with his people. You and me are that resting place for his presence. Ephesians talks about that, right? We're being built into a dwelling place for God. So he just created all the animals, that's our context, but then there's a shift. And he goes from the animals, which he called good, to man, made in the image of God. There's a distinct authorial shift in the narrative. It goes from animals, and then then it shifts, everything changes. Then God said, let us make man in our image. He he talks about all the living creatures. All those are good. It's all good. But then man comes on the scene, and man is different. He's made in the image of God. He bears God's image. With every text, there is a context. And this is important to understand the author's intent. The text begins with, then God said. And this also means uttered, he uttered. But also, the creation of the world began with God speaking. In the Hebrew Bible, when the word saying appears, it is often used to tell of one's inner thoughts, the inner thoughts of a person, their thought, you know, your inner dialogue. You might not actually say it, although God said it. God, he was intentionally thinking of this when he spoke it out, right? Then God said. So the question is, where do we find purpose? To begin, let's look at Genesis 126, and then we'll go to the next one here. Uh, Point one, you were created to have dominion. Humanity was made to bring the earth into order, to exercise dominion. The phrase to have dominion is an outflow of the phrase, let us make man in our own image. For being made in God's image is connected to the idea of ruling and reigning over the created order. There's something that God has called us to do that he chose to withhold himself from doing, that he gave us a mandate. He put Adam in the garden. So you and I, there's responsibility there. He's called us to something. So the idea of being made in the image of God is connected to ruling and reigning. That's what I'm trying to say here. We have to bring those two together, image and dominion. Those two words are together. We have a responsibility to rule. There's something that God has given us to do that he chose not to do. We are not merely put here to sit and do nothing, but to reflect God by bringing order because he is a God of order. God was orderly in his creation and has created us in his image to bring order to that which he created. So he created us to bring uh, order to what he has created. And our purpose is to be his representatives on the earth by having dominion. So we're God's representatives. There's this idea of the priesthood that we find throughout the scriptures. Adam and Eve were kind of the first priests. They, They were God's representatives. And then we go to Melchizedek and then we go to Aaron and his sons and the Levites they were priests and they ministered to God and then we go all the way to Jesus who's our now our high priest so now he's the sacrifice so the priesthood is a minister and guess what uh, guess what Peter says you and me are actually a royal priesthood and what does that mean to offer spiritual sacrifices to God so we have a there's a ministerial call, calling to all of us as priests cuz priests were representatives they brought God, they, they basically represented God to everyone else, and that's you and me. We are God's representatives. So now I have a, a quote I wanna read for us. Uh, it is by uh, a really cool um, book. It's called Genesis for Everyone. It's a really cool series, um, and there's also a whole New Testament series. It kinda reads like a devotional, but it's also really deep. It says this, it, it is in connection with its vocation to get the world under firm control that Genesis speaks of humans being made in God's image or as God's likeness. The second term underlines the first. There's no subtle point being made by having two words. What does that mean? So having dominion is tied to our identity as image bearers to take care of what God has made. So when we subdue, right? That's another phrase we see. Write down a few verses. In verse 28, it says subdue. So when we subdue the earth, when we have dominion and and multiply, we are living out what God what it means to be God's representative. We're fleshing that out when we're doing these things. What does it mean to have dominion? Well, when I was writing this message, I was at the uh, Annabelle House. Not Animal House. A few people think it's Animal House. It's not. It's Annabelle House. It's down the street in Osceo. It's a really cool coffee shop. And I was there this week, actually a couple weeks ago, and as I was writing this, I just realized how nice everything looks. If you've ever been inside, it's really cool. Uh, The design, the walls, and everything's kind of created. And you can tell it's intentional. It's very intentional. The white walls, the counter, the plants, the tables, the interior design. It all resembles somebody's raw handiwork of taking the materials that were already created and then making them into something. But it's interesting. Those materials, we didn't actually create them out of nothing. God did. So we're making something out of what is already made, but the origin came from him, the starting, right? He launched it into being. So somebody at the coffee shop, they made something out of what God had already made. They were ruling, they were creating, they were doing something with what God had made. And the phrase that kind of expresses this something out of nothing is creatio ex nihilo. It's, it's a phrase that means creation out of nothing. Some of you might know that, some of you might not. Now you know That's what it means. And that's what God did. He created something out of nothing. And in the beginning, it says, In the beginning, God, He was in the beginning and then spoke something into being. So to have dominion means that we rule over what God has created. Maybe that makes you uncomfortable, but it's really in there. To have dominion is a call to all of us as humans. We bring order to the chaos, order is good. It's a reflection of our creator. Our purpose is found within this calling to have dominion. So I wanna invite you to go back to the beginning, to travel back in time, and to see that we were made with a purpose. We were made on purpose for a purpose. To see that God's vision for you is to reflect him in everything you do, to be his representative, right? His ambassador, how many of you know what an ambassador is? It's a representative of someone else. It is somebody who's actually sent, And the apostle Paul was a sent one. And the Greek word for sent is apostle, a messenger of the Lord. We are messengers. We're called to go and bring all of it out to the world. Like literally, that's a high calling. And it's a really beautiful thing too. When you wake up and you actually already have purpose, it's within your heart to represent him. You know, Romans 3.23 says, We fell short of the glory of God to be like him and to represent him, right? That was our calling. Ever since the beginning of time, we were created to image him as image bearers. And so it's really cool that we have that responsibility to rule. We have the responsibility to rule, not in a domineering way. When you hear the word rule, don't go domineering. It's it's a ruling that is gentle and it is loving, but it is also very fierce and good, Right? The Bible says the foundation of God's throne is justice and righteousness and love, 100% love, right? It's all together, and that's what blows my mind about God. It's his the fear of the Lord and the grace of God. There's those two tension, the two tensions. So what do you have stewardship over? Each of us have money, places, and things we own, and the question is how are you stewarding creation? And we, we can go outside, just the garden, like all of the things we have in our life. How are we stewarding that? How are we uh, uh, taking this call seriously. As we continue looking at Genesis 1, we see the truth that human beings are made in God's image, and this is point two. We'll go on to the next one. If you're following in your notes, I want you to write this down. When you write it, I think it gets in your heart a little bit deeper. You are created in the image of God. Ha, that's a big deal, that you bear God's image, and that's where worth comes from. That's where your worth comes from, like, that's where that identity piece of I am worth something is, is because you were made in God's image. That's, that's, the, that's the, the foundational part, right? A lot of times when I understood my identity in Christ, I, always, I would always go to the New Testament passages, right? Like, I'm a child of God, 100%. But we can take it even further back from the, the book of John that says you're a child of God. You can go back to the beginning. And what happened in the beginning? Well, man was created in the image of God a phrase to, that people use to express this is the phrase imago Dei. It means image of God. So if you ever hear that, that's what it means. So we have creatio ex nihilo, which means creation out of nothing. And then we have imago Dei, which is image of God. And that's, it's so good that we have something to be excited about today. We have something to enter into. And when we realize our identity, it's gonna change everything. Have you ever looked at an amazing painting or work of art and been in awe? You know, have you ever been somewhere You maybe a friend is a really good artist? Maybe it's just something you saw, and you're just like, whoa, this is so cool. The truth is, the painting in and of itself is beautiful, but it actually points to the author. It points to the artist. That painting is in existence because somebody else decided to take a paintbrush and a palette, a paintbrush and a palette, and chose to start to paint uh, on that painting, and they used their their insight and their vision. They had a vision, and then they put it onto a beautiful painting. In The Lord of the Rings, we would say that J.R. Tolkien has an em- enormous imagination, which, wouldn't you say? It's crazy. Have you ever read Lord of the Rings? I ha- I started, and it's crazy. Like, I have not finished those books, and I probably won't for a long time, because uh, I have other things to read, <laughs> but uh, it's good. It's really good. Uh, just great job if you've read through those because man, those are in, in, intense. But his writing, when we read that, we're getting a glimpse of who he is. When you actually open the book, right? Whether it's uh, you know Chronicles of Narnia or whether it's Lord of the Rings, you're getting a glimpse of the author, right? We're getting a glimpse of the author. In Genesis one, man is created in the image of God. In essence, we are his workmanship, his work of art. For in us, he is able to be known and he's able to be seen. For in us, he's able to be known and he's able to be seen. Because we are his tapestry, if you will. We are his workmanship. We are his painting, in a sense. And he's the artist. He's the artist. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his masterpiece. This is what the NLT says. The ESV says workmanship. That word for workmanship just means you're, you're, you're basically what God created. You are what God has created and it was very good. But The NLT says masterpiece and I think that's really good. I think it's a good uh, perspective to have. And from the perspective of an artist, a masterpiece is not something that is random but thought out and purposeful. An artist has to sit down and think, what do I wanna, re- what do I wanna make, right? They don't just happen to, I mean, sometimes you get random inspiration, but typically an artist has an idea of what they want to paint. There's a purpose behind it. So it's not random, it's thought out, it's purpose, it's not purposeless, it's purposeful. We are not the result of a random coming together of molecules, we are not merely molecules, we're masterpieces. <laughs> we're not just a result of random happen chance. the Bible does not teach that. Sorry if I'm stepping on any bridges today. We're not not just the result of a random chance. The the Bible does not teach that. God made man. We were made in his image. And and to dismiss that idea would be to dismiss, literally, the canon of scripture. Because there's so many verses that point to God as creator. You go to Colossians. You know, Paul talks about it himself, right? And I think when we get to know him, we realize that. In Psalm 19, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. It's in the revelation of creation that we get to know the creator. But we should not worship the creation. We have to, all of it points to the creator, right? That's, you know, Romans 1. It's all pointing back to him. So to dismiss him as the maker would be to dismiss so many other scriptures. So God as creator is foundational, right? And you're like, okay, I get it. It really does change everything. When you realize that God made everything, it changes how you live, it really does change your perspective. For the sake of time, I'm not gonna go through all those passages, but the point is, you're made by God in the image of God. We're made by him and for him. And that's my next, uh, my next thing here. If you go back one, actually. Um, you're made by him and for him. And this is purpose. So this should impact the way we treat our brothers and sisters, Amen. The way we interact with one another is an outflow of the way God has interacted with you. The way he's actually treated you is an outflow of the way, um, yeah, the way he's treated you should impact an outflow into the way we treat others. To insult man is essentially to insult the maker. You're, you're, you're talking about somebody else's work of art, really. I mean, if we get down to, to the brass tacks, to the bare bones, when we're, and, it's, and it, you know, it's, it's a good check for all of us you know, every one of us, right? And it's not that we're going around and, and being that way, but I, I think it's it just, it, I had to say that, that it's we're talking about someone else's art, <laughs> someone else's creation. Jefferson Bethke wrote this amazing poem, and it was The Greatest Artist of All Time. That was the title. And in it, he says that we should be careful about how we talk about someone else's work. He is talking about that we are his painting, we are his artwork implanted with the image of God. And then he says this, in his, in his spoken word, he writes, stop saying you're filthy, stop saying you're dirt, you ought to be careful about how you talk about someone else's work. Man, that just hit me once, I'm like, whoa. Like, that's called self-talk, right? How many of you have self-talk? <laughs> I do, <laughs> and it's, it, can be, it can be challenging to navigate sometimes, but we have to get down to the, to the bare bones, we have to go back to the beginning, know that you're made in the image of God outside of everything else. You're made in God's image. So the way we treat others, other human beings finds its origin in the creation story, right? The way we treat each other, it stems from this. So next time we critique or tear someone down, we gotta think about who this person is in God's eyes. And this applies to everyone. When you're hard on yourself, you're hard on God's creation. If you struggle with that, right? And so it's an invitation to realize, no, 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 yeah, maybe I maybe I did that wrong, but I'm still God's image. I'm still bearing His image. You're beating up what God has made when you tear yourself down. You're insulting uh, the work of God. And now on to the image. And I want to throw up this uh, phrase on the screen. It's a Hebrew word, uh, and it has to do with the word image. It says the Hebrew word for image is tesalem. It means image or likeness, and. Really, what, means, what that means is we, we're, we have the capacity to reflect God in everything we do, right? But we know that sin entered in, and then it, it kind of, in, it basically influenced that image-bearing sense that we carry. So, so we're made in God's image, but that image was tainted in the garden when, when Adam and Eve fell. And so a little bit of background. In the Mesopotamian culture, there was a practice that kings undertook to establish their authority. They would put images of themselves in various places and were made to image God and bring his kingdom. So, so in Mesopotamian culture, they would basically set up statues to remind people, right, of their ruling and authority. But we're made in God's image, right? So now we are his image bearers to bring his kingdom and rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven. And this is what Jesus talks about right when in the lord's prayer lord your kingdom come we're a part of that we are called to bring his kingdom to establish his rule and his reign that's what kingdom means it's the greek word basileia and it means to rule and reign of god you're establishing his order you know when you live for kingdom values you're you're bringing the kingdom when you are walking in step with G, with, with what jesus has said and that's it's always you know there's always growth right we always have a next step right i have a next step you have a next step it's, it's something that we're called to, you and me. This is a journey for both of us to walk. And in a similar way, we bear God's image all throughout the world. So though we, air, though we bear his image, we're also different, right? The difference between God and man is clearly noted throughout the Old Testament, if you've ever read the Old Testament. The difference between God and man, right? We bear his image, but we are not him. <laughs> we, will, we are not him. That's, I have to clarify that. We bear his image, but we are not him. We are his representatives, Right, And the Old Testament's very clear about that. We are not all-knowing, we're not sovereign, and we're not unlimited. But we're connected to the one who is, and that's good news. That he's all-knowing, and we can find rest in that. So we're made in his image. I want to go to the next slide. Ephesians uh, 2 is where we're going to finish, and we're going to kind of camp out for a minute. It says this. You are God's workmanship, his creation, created to do good works. You're God's workmanship, created to do good works. This is purpose. So now I'm going to go all the way. So I'm in Genesis. Now I'm going to flip all the way over to literally the other side of the Bible. And it says in Ephesians 2.10, I'm going to read the whole verse. Verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand in advance so that we should walk in them. So God has literally prepared things for us to walk in before you were even born. He's created you and formed you for good things. And the word for workmanship means what is created, that is you. So I want you to take that in. Your worth and your value stem from a realization that you are God's creation. And and I think think we're on the same page with that. You were created on purpose for a purpose. The New Testament echoes this Genesis 1, this this Ephesians passage echoes Genesis 1. You're created by God. You are his workmanship, his creation. And it also continues this idea of calling. It tells of our identity that we're his workmanship, and this speaks to our purpose, So notice in the text, it says you're his workmanship, but then it says created for good works. So first comes identity. We have to understand we are God's creation before I think we can really step into the fullness of what he's called you to do. Out of identity flows purpose. And that's my title for today, identity issues, right? We have to realize who we are and then purpose is gonna come from that, right? It's identity and then purpose and mission. So when we enter in, when we realize I'm God's creation, then I'm, okay, now I'm ready. I, my purpose is here. I have my purpose. And they're connected. They're absolutely connected. So though we are imperfect, we're still God's workmanship created to do good works. Our standing is based on his work. And out of, a, out of his finished work, we do our work. We never, our good works, right? When I say good works, maybe you're, I don't know if you, what your background is, but you're like, ugh, Works, yeah. Maybe you're maybe you're feeling like, oh, we're not supposed to strive, and that's true. But the reality is that out of the love and identity of being God's son or daughter, good works are going to come. That's the whole idea that you serve in the spirit now, not by the flesh, not by your own thing. Right? It's it's you're lit. It's a living work now. You are a living being. You're not dead anymore. You've been brought to life. So what am I saying? Works are important, and God's created you for something. He's, he has purpose for you. You are not just here on accident. That is uh, not the message of Genesis or of the scriptures. It is really not. And that's the world has tried to make sense of this. Like, you, you know, uh, there's so many different cultural thoughts of, of where, how the world began. Where did it all come from? How did we get here? They try and explain it through, oh, we're just here, right? Um, we're just here on happen chance. You know, Or they try and come up with other reasons. There's all sorts of streams of thought that try and make sense of what's going on. How do we get here? If you ever looked at an airplane, this is something that really helps me understand this. Somebody had to make that airplane. (laughs) An airplane cannot just get into a garage and assemble itself. It's never been done. An airplane has never built itself. It just hasn't happened. And so I just think about that. We had to have somebody create us so, Because we're so intricately designed. One of the favorite things is a leaf. I've, I took biology when I was in high school. I, love, I loved it. It was really cool. But if you ever study a leaf, it's so intricate, but yet the human body is so much more. It's so crazy how we're made. It's, it's incredible. It all points to the creator. So God has given you something to do. You were created on purpose for a purpose, made by him, fashioned by him. In Christ, you are restored. The image was tainted in the garden, but now in Christ, you've been restored and you are being restored again and again and again. So you are already his creation. You are already his son, his daughter. You are already righteous and clean and you are being made into that righteousness, right? It's an already, not yet. That's what the scriptures teach us. And so it's an already, but not yet. We put off the old self and we put on the new self being renewed in the spirit of our minds. So that's transformation of the mind. And I'm gonna get into something in our application. uh, How can we actually partake in this? How can we step into this? So as we put on the new self, our identity after the likeness of God, we are then able to walk more freely in the works that he's called you to do, the work that he prepared for you. It frees us to actually do with confidence what God has called us to do when we know that we're made by him and for him. When you accept Jesus, your identity is changed from, from uh, really, we, we go from tainted to spotless in Christ. We are, we are washed as white as snow, and it's a beautiful thing. It's through the blood. From guilty to blameless, from unclean to holy, and now we are always in a process of becoming holy, becoming like him, right? Isn't that beautiful? You are set apart to be set apart, <laughs> essentially. That's what that means. You're set apart to become like him, and that's a good thing. For Christ, through Christ's death and resurrection, he has purchased a bride that is now holy, blameless, and above reproach. This is in Colossians. That He's purchased a bride to be holy and blameless and above reproach, the bride of Christ. That is us. Jesus is coming back to, to, to bring us to him. And this is his work. It's not ours. And our work is now an outflow of his. We are restored back to the original intent that God had for humanity to bear his image through ruling, reigning, and subduing and multiplying and all the other good works he has prepared for you. Now we all together make a beautiful mosaic, right? We all make a beautiful mosaic and when you look at a painting, it resembles something. And so all of you here, you have different giftings and callings and passions. Some of you are similar, some of you are very different and whatever that looks like, we all resemble God. In, that the, in the diversity, there is a reflection, right? We are both unified, but we are also very different, and that's good. So we celebrate the differences, but we also come under the banner of Christ unified, right? There's a unifying sense, and it's by the Spirit. That's why people who are totally opposites can actually be unified under one thing. I'm bought by the blood of Christ. That's what brings people together who had nothing to do with each other. That's the beauty of the gospel. I've seen it happen. A lot of times our vision can be tainted because we are looking at ourselves. We're looking at our mess. But when we understand our value, it changes our vision. And What does that mean? When we understand who you are in Christ, it actually helps you have vision to do good things for him. But if you just keep believing lies about your identity, it's gonna hinder what you can see. It's gonna hinder, oh, I can't ever do that. You might have a dream in your heart. Maybe you don't dream. It's because you don't realize who God's made you to be right, so we have to realize this identity, if you, you know, because I believe God has called us to be, right, it's good to dream, it's good to have vision, and he wants to give you that vision, right, so we got to know our value, and that'll change our vision, that'll change the way we live, a lack of vision, it it can be a lack of worth, and I I get this, I've wrestled with this too, and the more I realize my identity in Christ, the more I'm able to walk in what God's called me to walk in, it's just the outflow, this is just where it starts, so where do we go with this? What do we do with this uh, word from Genesis 1 to Genesis 126? Let's go uh, we're going to go into the next part here and we oftentimes lack purpose because we lack identity, knowing who we are. So here I'm going to provide a way through which you can learn your identity on your bulletin. There's a little card that says a morning declaration. And this is an opportunity for you to actually put this into practice and read it over yourself every day, put it by your mirror, put it in your car, put it in your Bible, and every day, I just wanna challenge you for the next seven days to actually read through that every day. Like, actually do it. Maybe it's, don't, don't let it be cheesy because I actually believe that what you say matters and over yourself, right? What you say about yourself matters and it's gonna change things, right? It's just the reality, and what do I mean? Well, the Bible says that we're renewed but in our minds, we're renewed in our minds, Romans 12. So this is a way to partake in that practice. Renew your mind, say, and on it, there's a declaration. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And then there's, there's a verse in uh, Ephesians and then a verse in Genesis. So that's a, that's a resource for you uh, that we created. So I want you to encourage you to read it out. Whether you've been 30 years in the faith or whether you only have known God for one year, there is a next step. There is, there's a revelation here in the Lord. I want to encourage you. I don't, It does isn't, whether you're 30 years in or one year in, I, guys, we all need this. We need this revelation of identity in him. A question to reflect on, what things have I found my identity in other than Christ? This is a, something to take home. You know, you can write that down. What things have I found, have I put my identity in? Who I am is what I do, my performance, my job, my friends, my promotion, my credentials. Maybe we have credentials. Those aren't bad, but where are we finding our identity? What situations or circumstances in my past or present have I let define me more than God's love for me and what God says about me? Some of us have been through some challenging times. There's some challenging things that have happened. I just want to acknowledge that. There's some challenging things, but we have a choice to let those things define us or we can actually just, we have to, you know, I, I I I had a mentor in college and we were walking one day we were just walking down the street and he was talking me through this leadership article he sent me and he, it talked about how great leaders know how to interpret their circumstances and their situations. It's the way you see it, more than actually what happens to you. What happens to you matters, but at the end of the day, where you go from there is what really happen, what really makes the difference. So how you interpret your circumstances, right? I just wanna encourage you, ask God for perspective and talk it through with others. And the third thing is this, right? What am I putting my identity in? Number two, what circumstances am I putting my identity in? What I'm letting define me? And then number three, what does God say in light of those responses? So now we're going back to the word. What does the word say? What does it truly say, right? If somebody left you, what does God say? I'll never leave you or forsake you, right? Right, there's, there's something there. I've had to tell myself that, and I know that we can all benefit from that. So the truth is he spoke a better word. So what if we were bold in our lives and fearless, filled with the unconditional love and favor of God? I'm telling you, friends, when we realize our purpose, it's gonna help others, right? It helps us see others' value, too. I notice for me, when I know my value in Christ, I'm then able to see people differently. I really do. I'm able to see them as made in the image of God, and then it changes the way I treat them, and it changes everything. It's gonna change the way you treat others when you know who you are, right? Because it's oftentimes out of that lack of identity, then we're, there's hurt that can come. And then we, we start to say things and do things that are out of line. And, and a lot of times it's a lack of understanding of who we are, right? When I know I'm loved, then I don't have to put someone else down, right? You know, if that's the struggle for you, maybe it's, maybe it's being frustrated at yourself, right? When I know I'm loved by the Lord, then I don't have to do that. So there's a serious calling as image bearers. Let's step into that. Remember this, you're created on purpose for a purpose. You're created to have dominion. You are God's workmanship created for good works. God is purpose for you. You are not here on accident. You are here on purpose. Let's pray. Let's go into prayer. God, I'm so grateful today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us and showing us so much. I'm just reminded today that you wanna, I just believe you wanna rebuild foundation in our lives, Lord, Maybe there's cracks in our foundation of who we see ourselves to be that you wanna refill with, with you. God, I've, I've heard countless people say, it's your presence that truly changes us. Nothing else will change us like your presence. So I pray today that your presence would fill the cracks in our foundation today, that your love, oh God, that is not cheesy, fluffy, but it's a strong love that went to the cross and died for us, Lord. That is where we find our worth, that you have shed your blood for us, Lord. For by this, we know that we have come to know him, that we love him and that we keep his commandments. God, I pray today that of everything that was said, Lord, may we know that we are made by you and for you. You are so good, Lord. I pray that we would just go out of here singing with your presence. And I just thank you for everyone in the room. They are so loved by you. I pray that they would walk away knowing who you've called them to be. And then I see just so much good fruit coming from that. We bless you, Jesus. We give you glory and praise, amen.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.